0: Today we're starting a brand new series, brand new series, we're calling it the Love Series since it's February. Come on, turn to that person next to you and say the Love Series. What? What's love got to do with it? Anyway, so <laughs> I, I have to tell you one more. This is true. So again, just a few days ago, my pastor, Rick said he sent me this other text. He said, uh, he said, I know it's late notice, and, and I, I... I Put it on my iPad so I could read it out to you. He said, I know it's late notice, but a friend of mine has two tickets for the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, they're at the U.S. Bank Stadium, February 4th, Eagles versus the Patriots. He said, they're box seats, and this guy paid $3,500 per, per seat, which, included, uh, which includes a, a, uh, a limousine ride from the airport, uh, a $400 voucher for dinner. Uh, and he didn't realize that the guy uh, bought these tickets a year ago. He didn't realize it's the same time they planned for his wedding. And so he said, if you're interested, he's looking for someone. Again, this is a true text. He's looking for someone to take his place. He said, the wedding is at St. Paul's Church at 3 p.m. Her name is Ashley. She's 5'4", 111 pounds, and uh, she cooks good and is willing to clean your truck. Got me again, man. The whole time I was like, yes, I'm going. And then I got to the bottom of the text. You know those long texts that take like full screens, you know? It was one of those kind of things. Uh, Today, as we jump in, we have a key scripture for this series, real small, short piece so you can memorize it. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8, and it's called, and the Word word of God says it like this, love never fails. Would you say it out loud with me? Love never fails. Now, were you to go back and read the earlier parts of that verse, you'd find in verse 1 it starts off and says it like this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And verse 8 says, love never fails. More time. Love never fails. That's the premise of this series as we are going uh, into the, you know, the, the Valentine's you know, month, as they call it. Uh, we also are celebrating our Black History Month, and we see all the difficulty that has been transpiring, all the junk that's coming out of the hearts of prejudiced people. And as we celebrate our love, not just for the Lord, but for one another, may we bridge gaps. Come on, somebody. May we tear down walls in Jesus' name. May we be a church that broadcasts what it looks like in heaven. Black folks, white folks, Hispanic folks, Asian folks, and every culture, every age, blended together for the glory of his name. May we be a church that loves and never fails. Come on, you with me? So with that being said, my assignment for this part of the series will be loving God that's what we'll talk about today next week we'll be talking about loving your spouse and we have recruited the greatest couple in Cedar Hill and I'm telling you you're going to love them our former uh, city manager Mr. Alan Sims and his beautiful wife Gail Sims who's on our school board uh, they have been married 45 years and they're going go, we're going to interview them and they're going to give us a little bit of wisdom and I tell you right now if you want to make it to 45 years you need to listen to what these folks say it's going to be magnificent you can't miss it it's going to be awesome but today My point is how to love God and what that love looks like and incorporating, if you will, a passionate relationship with the living God. So with that being said, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24 verses 9 through 12. Matthew chapter 24 is a passage of scripture where Jesus is asked about the last days, the end of the world, how we know, and Jesus qualifies it: no man knows the time or the hour, but uh, not only the Father, the Son of Man doesn't know, the angels don't know, no man knows, so when you see these dummies talking about the end of the world is, you know, February 28th or something like that, you just say, liar, because they don't know. There's no way for them to know. If Jesus don't know, they don't know, so they need to shut up, okay? And so, what Jesus does do is he qualifies that whole thing by way of connecting it to uh, birth. And he talks about the birth pains. And so the ladies who have given birth, they know when it starts, their water breaks, the pain hits, and they go, ah, it's birth pain. But that may be 22 hours later before they actually give birth. That may be, you know, depending on how many kids they had, that may be 65 seconds. You know, it's got this wide range. And so Jesus lays out some of the birth pains, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines, Sounds like the pains have started, in my, in my opinion. And then he lays out this last piece that I'd like to kind of, or one of these pieces here in verse 9 that I'd like to kind of put in perspective for you. So verse 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, verse 10, many will turn away from the faith. Everybody say many. many. Say it again, many. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, verse 11, and many false prophets. Everybody say many. many. How many? many? A few? Some? Many. Many false prophets will appear and deceive just a couple of carnal Christians. Many people. A lot of minis up in this hill verse. Many people. Verse 12 is our key piece. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. This is a life message for me. If you've been around me, you've heard me speak about this at some stage because this is a life message for me. I got such revelation first time I read across that passage, and it has stuck with me and molded me into the man that I am today. The love of most will, not maybe, might could. The love of most will grow cold. Who's Jesus talking about? Is he talking about lost people who don't know Christ? Is he talking about those who went to church way back in the day but quit on God and walked away? He's talking about the church. Because you cannot have love that grows cold if you've never loved Jesus. He's talking about us, the church. And he says in the last days, the love of most will grow cold. It'll happen. It's going to happen. The love of most will grow cold. So let's get a little bit of help here today. Bro on the front row, tell me your name again. Rick. Everybody say, hey, Rick. Rick. Okay, so Rick, if if I said most of the people in this room were cowboy fans, most of the people, what percentage would come to your mind if I used the word most? What, what 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 percentage comes to your mind? Would that be ten percent? No, no way, right? So what what if I use the word most of the people in here love the Cowboys? What what do you think that percentage would be? Like ninety percent? Wow! If I wanted to say fifty percent, I would use the word half. Probably half of you are going to do this, right? That would that would be the verbiage I would use. If I wanted to say somewhere around twenty or thirty percent, I might would use the word some. Jesus uses the term. Most. It's in red letters, not because they switched the ink cartridge wrong. In your Bible, it's in red letters because Jesus said it. Jesus said the love of most, according to Rick, 90% of you guys are going to burn in hell forever and walk away from God. Rick, you are a hard man. I just want to say that. You're a tough man. You're a tough preacher. But the love of most will grow cold. So, so I don't know what that percentage is by any means. The, the Bible doesn't lay it out. But Jesus qualifies that most of the believers in this hour, their love will grow cold. It will happen. It's gonna transpire. It's gonna, it's, gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna happen. And friend, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be a part of the most. I wanna be a part of the few. I want my love to be real. You should've said amen right there. I, I wanna be a part of the few whose love is sincere and passionate and real. And I, And I don't wanna get caught up in all the foolishness of the things of this world. And I don't want my love to grow cold. Do you say no? Try again. Do you you want your love to grow cold? Say no. I want my love to be hot and passionate for the Lord. I want him to be my everything. And I don't want to be a part of the most in this passage. I want to be a part of the few who love God with all of their heart. I think it's interesting that he says because of the increase of wickedness. There's been such an increase in wickedness. I think our grandparents would roll over in the grave if they saw what their grandkids were looking at on, on their iPhones. I think they would lose their mind if they watched the TV shows that we watch and the movies that we watch now. The increase in wickedness has just so expanded on the earth. What used to be horrible, we now take as, well, their, their opinion. Nah, it's what they like. I don't really like it, but, you know, whatever. And I think that they would be horrified. Jesus said, because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I don't know any other way to connect how you and I can visualize our love relationship with a God that we don't always see, that we're not always sure if that's him speaking to us or it's our own brain speaking to us. Any other way than to connect that relationship to the second most important relationship in our life, and that would be a marriage relationship. I think the similarities of how how you're in relationship with God can kind of be, you, you can kind of use the relationship with a spouse as to see some of the dynamics. And so I want to connect it in that kind of way today for just a moment. You know, I, I, Christianity is not a religion. It's supposed to be a relationship. That sounds good on Instagram. And it sounds good as a tweet. But at the end of the day, how do we actually have a relationship with the living God? What does that look like? How do we live with him and love him, and how do we have that? interaction. So the best way that I know how to kind of give us an example would be that of a marriage relationship, which would be, according to Scripture, the most important relationships outside of that with God uh, in our lives, uh, because we commit till death do us part, right? And so uh, how many of you guys are married in the room? Let me see a show of hands. If you're married in the room, wow. Let me see it. Put it up real high. Married in the room, wow. Okay, put it down. How many of you guys are single in the room? You want to be married at some point? Just keep your hand up. I'm fixing this right now. You guys... A place you, put you together. I can get to, like knock this out by the end of the day. We we can do a, a mass service and just move on. And all the married people said, Amen, Amen. That's about what happened in my house. Her daddy said it's happening today. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, all right, so if you've been married uh, if you've been married more than than a year let me see your hand married more than a year there you go married more than 5 years in the room let's see put your hands down if you're not more than more than more than 10 years in the room more than 10 years wow all right more than more than 12 years in the room okay more than 15 years in the room wow more than more than 20 years in the room lost half of you right there wow look at this more than 25 years you've been married more than 25 years in the room keep your hand up more than 25 years Look around, look around, more than 25 years, okay, now, keep your hand up, every young couple in this room, find these people right here, take them out to dinner, pay for it, and then ask them, how did you do it, let them give you this, all right, more than 25 years, More than 27 years. 27, 27, more than 28 years. 30 years. How many? Give me 30. Give me 30. Going 30, 30, 30. Still in the room. 30. Got 30. Got 30 right here. You got 32 years still in the room. Still in the room. 32, 32, 30. 35 years. You got lost them at 35. Still going right here, and right here, and in the back. 35. Give me 35. Give me 38 years. You're still in it for 38 years. Lost them in the back. Two still going. 38 years. 39 years. You got two up front still hanging in there. Hey, 40 years. You got 40. Lost them at 40. How many years have you guys been married? How many? 43. He don't know. He just asked her. How many? <laughs> 43. No, he did. I'm picking on. 43. Well, who's got more than 43? Oh, y'all were hiding back there behind the pole. What right there? How many years for you guys? It, it, it Longer than the rest of us have been alive. I'm going to just tell you that right now. Did you just say 67 Did you say, say, stand up, if you can. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up too. 67 years. Stole first place right from you. 43 years. How about you guys? How many years has it been? 39. They got you by just a few, and they got you by a lot more than a few. Oh, you guys with 10 years are like, 10, yes, we fought for that. 67, you're like, I quit. There ain't no way, ain't no way. So let me, let me ask you a question, 43 years. In 43 years, have you ever thought about divorce? No, no. <laughs> ah! he, he yelled out, every day? She was like, no, I haven't. She walks in forgiveness. 43 years, so maybe not divorce, what about murder? That's every day for you, right? Now that's every day. 43 years. Jamie and I, we're at 25 this, uh, this April. No, 25 years. Anybody in here newlyweds? You know, you've been married less than a year. Newlyweds in the room? Oh, look, yeah, you can tell, look, they're smiling still. <laughs> they got the newlywed glow. <laughs> we love each other, yeah. <laughs> Wait till next year. <laughs> We, uh, Jamie and I, I. You remember those of you that are married, and maybe those of you that are dating can can testify. That's how it is for you right now. Remember when we when we first uh, when Jamie and I were first going out? I mean, we would just sit for hours and talk about nothing over the phone. What you doing? None. What you doing? None. And in those days, you had cords on your phones at your house, so you'd wrap around in it, you know. <laughs> Get all off of it. What you doing now? Nothing. Thinking about you. Ah. And you just say that for hours. Nothing. What you doing now? Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because we were Twitter-pated. I mean, we were in love, right? And, and and remember, you know, now she comes in, she calls, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm in the middle of something." What do you want? It's amazing how in 25 years things have changed. I mean, uh, you, you, come on, ladies, you remember when you first married him? He had a six pack, man. Wah, bah, 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 bah. Now he just got a big old three liter. He's just hanging on to. remember ladies when y'all first going out how romantic he was he'd write poems about nothing oh darling how i love you when i'm not with you i am blue oh my sweet love forever i will be true now you're like hey we're gonna go on date night yeah mcdonald's we'll run through real quick and bring you something it's amazing how over time things will grow cold if you're not careful and i don't know what the ladies are laughing about i remember I remember when we were first married, my words were the words of God to Jamie. When I would speak, they were the words as though God himself had spoken out of my mouth. Now I'll be telling the kids, hey, I need y'all to do, you need to, and you need to, and they look over at their mom and she's like, don't worry about it. Jamie. <laughs> Whatever she says. <laughs> it's amazing how over time, how it changes, how we were all into it. And I think some of us, if we're not careful, same thing happened. Remember when you first got saved? I mean, you first got to say, you're like, I get to go to heaven. Yes. Now you've been saying 30 years, you're like, oh, I know this song. This song sucks. (laughs) Wow. We don't even preach the word anymore. We used to go through lots of scripture. And you have these things that have now become frustrating over time where familiarity brought contempt. It's amazing how. When you and I first came, I I remember when we first got saved, me and my family first got saved, you didn't have all the translations that you have now. There were no digital Bibles. There were no Google it and you can find the answer. You better have memorized the Bible to know where anything was at. And so, of course, we were brand new Christians, so, you know, we went to the Bible bookstore. Y'all don't even know what those are, millennials. So there used to be these stores, and you would go to them. And you would buy any Bible, and they would have these, like, Christianese stuff. You could buy posters with, like, you know, Carmen on it. It was magnificent. It really was. And then, you, know, you remember? And we got the biggest one we could get. And the reason why is because we didn't have any idea what King James meant. We knew that living could not be accurate, but still put them together, and you could figure that. So we had a dual translation: King James on one side, living on the other, and we had tabs because the because the pastor would make you turn to that passage. You didn't know where Hezekiah was at. You didn't have no idea. The book of Job. I'm looking through Job, can't find it. You know, it's a big old book. So you have these tabs with the names on, and you can find him. <laughs> and then you could find out you didn't you couldn't read the Old Testament because you couldn't pronounce any of the names, but you could at least follow along. There were no screens or anything like that. There are overhead projectors, and, and you slide. It. see some of you being in the church a while. And so, and, and as time has grown and things have changed, if we're not careful, so does our love. It can grow cold, as Jesus warned us about. He warned us that if we're not careful, that we'll be caught up in the increase of wickedness of the last days. And now, instead of having a passionate, exciting love for God, now all of a sudden, you know, we're just kind of going through the motions, and it has grown cold. Listen, when we first went to church, you had to bring a tambourine. Even at the Baptist church, you had a tambourine. My wife still has a glow-in-the-dark tambourine. It's up in the closet. It scares me to death every time I walk in that closet and turn on that light. It's like this glow above my clothes. I'm like, whoa, because you had to have one. Now, you know, it messes up television, so we can't have it. And so it's amazing how things, if we're not careful, that love relationship can grow cold. So today, I want to give us three areas That we need to watch out for are three um, places where that will cause, or three reasons that cause our love to grow cold. And I hope that we can learn from it and keep us being the church that's not a part of the most, but the church that's a part of the few, whose love is real and sincere and passionate. Isn't that good? Say yes. Amen. So let's turn quickly. The first reason that our love can grow cold, number one, is sin. All throughout Scripture, we see God warning us about sin come out from the sin, repent of your sin. I know the television preachers don't use the word sin anymore. They use bad choices. But at the end of the day, the Bible calls it sin. And all sin really is, if I could identify what sin is, because it does seem to be a little bit obscure. But all sin is, is loving something else more than you love God. Giving your attention, your affection to it more than you love God. Think about it. It, You did that because you were wooed away into that enjoyment of that pleasure of that sin. And so... To really be free of sin, what we do is, instead of, you know, old school preachers would always tell you stop sinning, stop sinning, stop Well, if I could have stopped sinning, I wouldn't need to come to church. Came to church, I don't know how to stop sinning. And that was the wrong approach. What Jesus did is just, he said, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men into me. It's my loving kindness. So what happens is if we fall in love with Jesus, sin has no power over us because we don't love it anymore. So it goes back to where do you give your love affection to? What do you love? I've seen people in the church that love sports more than they love Jesus. And it's become sin. It's another lover. I've seen in the church where people, you know, love working for the church more than they love Jesus. I've seen in people's life, in my own life, where I was affectionate and excited. See, I can tell what you love the moment we get into a conversation. It's amazing, right? You'll start to talk to somebody. How you doing? Oh, man, it's good. It's good, Pastor. It's good. Man, how how you doing with Jesus? Man, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Some obscure term, the Lord. That'd be like calling my wife my old lady. Like, see how well that goes over. The Lord, I love the Lord, brother. I just love the Lord. He's, he's good, he's good, he's good. And then all of a sudden, you'll hit the thing that they love. What do you think about, you know, the, the Super Bowl? Man, I tell you, I'm so mad right now. That Jerry Jones has messed up my life. It's amazing when you hit the thing that somebody loves, how much their inflections in their voice goes up, their body language, their excitement. They start sweating. They get, Listen, I've seen some of you ladies. What? There is a cell at O Navy right now. You're going to have to wrap this up, Pastor Adam, because we got to go. It's amazing when you love something, how easily it is for you to get excited about. And it's real easy in conversation to find that and watch the entire body language, communication, uh, inflection of voices go up through the roof. It's magnificent to watch. The question that you and I need to have is, is there any other lovers in our life that mean more to us than Jesus. And the way you know that is, what do I get excited about? That's why I always, I can always measure the body of Christ at Church on the Hill. How much you're in love with Jesus in, in your time of worship. In your time of worship. Because man, when you know I'm in love with you, I, I mean you don't care. You, I, I don't ever get more excited about a football game or anything else more than I get excited about Jesus. Why? Because he's the love of my life. He's the center of who I am. Uh, I was preaching, some of you heard this, I was preaching at, at a church years ago, and uh, just being me, and you know, I am who I am. And uh, afterwards, this this old fellow came walking up to me. Hey, son, son, uh, I want to help you. Can I help you with something? Yes, sir, yes, sir. He said, you know, I, yeah, I want to help you. So, I, how, son, how long have you been a Christian? I said, oh, you know, at that time I was like, 20-something years, 20-something years, uh-huh. he said, how long do you think I've been saved? I said, man, I don't know, 100 years? I mean, my God, I have no idea. <laughs> he goes, I've been saved 50, 57 years, 57 years. I said, oh, wow, that's great. And he goes, uh, and he said, and in that 57 years, he said, I, I think I know some things. And I said, yes, sir, I'm sure you do. And he goes, I want to help you. Can I help you? I said, yes, sir, you can help me. He goes, you know all that spitting, shouting, throwing your hands all around and being all excited? He said, let me help you with something. He said, if you'll let him, God will mature you on out of that. And you won't need all that yelling and being excited and all that. You'll just mature like me. God is my witness. I looked at him, and I looked up. I said, if this is what I got to look forward to, kill me right now. This, this is not it. This is not what passion looks like. After 57 years of being a Christian, you're angry and brutally uh, judgmental about other people who are just trying to love Jesus. You are not. The, and he was too late. Here's his problem. He was too late because, see, you know what? I was mentored by Jim and Joanne Hester. I've been around the older folks who know what it is to be passionately in love with Jesus. Yeah, they may not be able to jump up and down as much, but they get that little move when the little worship starts going. And they get it. They get to listen. It's too late. He was too late. I know what it is to see the older, mature, real Christian maintain that passion and keep that love and let it never grow cold and to constantly stoke that fire and connect with God in a living way and not become brutally bitter and frustrated at life and want to take that and put that on all the young folks who are brand new in Christ. I know what it is to be alive in Christ and dead to my sin. And he was too late. Good thing he didn't get me 20 years earlier. Thank God. Some of you have been gotten... Oh, this is what it looks like to be mature. It looks like to be dead. We're supposed to be alive in Christ. The first reason that love begins to grow cold in our life is because of other lovers. What have you and I allowed to take center stage in our life? Now, imagine if you will. I travel a good bit. Imagine if I'm down in Brazil doing a conference, and I call my wife, and She's sitting in a council meeting or something, so I get her voicemail. And I leave her a voicemail, something like this. Hey, Jamie, baby, you're not going to believe this. I just met two 28-year-old girls. They're beautiful. They're magnificent. And they have agreed to be wife number two and wife number three. It's going to be magnificent. And listen, we're going to, they're going to come home with us. And look, you get those spare bedrooms ready for them. And you don't have, think about it. You don't have to cook as much it Cuts the cooking down in a third. If you get headaches, no problem. I mean, we got this whole thing lined up. It's going to be awesome, Jamie. I love you. I can't wait to see you too. Now, I don't know how it would happen at your house, but let me tell you about the McCain house. I'm going to pull up, and my little Uber driver going to get out trying to help me and my new little pretty second and third wife, thing two and thing three, and we're going to be grabbing, grabbing the stuff and trying to walk up the, the carport path, and all of a sudden that front door is going to go like that, and a double-barrel shotgun is going to come, boom, boom, and I'm going to find my head in my backside as those bullets just push it all the way through. Why? Not why, because Jamie's so jealous? No, because 25 years ago I stood at an altar in front of Jesus Christ and all the witnesses, and I said to you, and you alone will I love, I will be faithful till death do us part I'll have no other women in my life friend I don't understand how you and I can come to Christ and say you are my God you alone knowing that he is a jealous God and he'll have no other gods between him and us and then to expect him to embrace all of our other lovers and bring them to him and say would you bless it will you bless it I don't understand why God won't bless it because you have made that the centerpiece of your love instead of him instead God I work this job not because I'm in love with it I work it because I'm in love with you and it's a free it's a resource to help my family and to move the gospel forward. But at the end of the day, you have set me here in this place, and so I'm not critical of it. I'm not mad about it. Why? Because it's nothing more than a tool. You are the love of my life. These sports are fun, but they're not the love of my life. This house is nice, but it's not the love of my life. This car is wonderful, but it's not the love of my life. I love my children, but they're not the love. Of, they're not the Lord of my life. I love you, and you are the single most important factor in my life you imagine jamie wouldn't put up with it you wouldn't put up with it in fact some of you divorced because he thought you would put up with it, and you said i don't think so there's the door take her with you and it's amazing as we look all throughout the old testament and we haven't learned from that god was constantly frustrated with the children of israel because they would have other gods and expect him to bless it he's like it's not happening and so he would remove his favor off of them. They would get conquered by other nations. And somewhere in the midst of it, they'd look up and go, our lover has did us dirty. Let us go back to our first love. And he's like, come on back. And he'd take them back. And then the favor would come and the blessings would come. And then they would run off and chase another love. And he'd, All right. And then they would repent and come back 100 years, of, you know, in, in, perse- in, in slavery and then come back. Friend, I want you to know, no other lovers. Him alone, the love of my heart. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with sports or cars or houses or kids and things like that. It just means what is the center point of our love, our first and foremost love. Here's the second reason love grows cold. Write it down. Number two, no interaction. No interaction. No time together, if you will. You just don't spend time together anymore. You get so busy. Remember, Anybody remember high school? Anybody remember high school back in the day? Anybody look through their yearbook recently? Try that on for size. Go back and look through the yearbook and see the things that were written in your book. Remember the things that you wrote in your friends' yearbooks. Probably most of you uh, had, you know, five to ten friends. Those of you that were more social before there was this thing called social media and you were really were social and you acted, interacted with live people, you would probably have 20 or 30. But you wrote things in those yearbooks, things like, <laughs> we're going to build houses and raise our families right next door to each other. BFFs forever. We're going to go to college together. And we're going to get married together. And we're going to be greatest friends. And bro, we're going to buy trucks together. Always hunt together. And, we got, and you wrote all these things. 20 years later, you're walking through the mall with your family. And all of a sudden, you go, oh, I went to high school with them. This way, baby. This way, baby. Why? Why? Why do you do that? Because you had some big split up? No. Because when you were in high school, you spent eight hours a day minimum five days a week with those people. You knew them better than their parents knew them. You knew what they were involved in. You knew what they, you knew, you knew, you wore that same shirt six days in a row, dude. What's wrong with you? You knew them. But then what happened was you graduated high school and this one went to VoTech and you moved off, went to the military. This one went here and you stopped spending time. It's not that you don't like them or there was some big horrible thing that happened. You just stopped Spending time together. Can I tell you something? If Satan can't get you to chase after other lovers, he'll get you so busy doing so many good things that you lose a real relationship with the living God. I've seen ministers do it. I've done it. I was so busy doing for God that I lost a relationship with God. I was so busy trying to help other people and feel the joy of being popular and important in Christendom. I didn't even have a love relationship with the living God anymore. didn't even know me. We had lost relationship because we got, I got so busy and stopped interacting with them. I've told this story before, but it's mine, so I'll tell it again. Years ago, I was first got hired at uh, at our church, Bethany World Prayer Center, right out of Bible school at 19 years old. They hired me as the junior high pastor slash assistant youth pastor. And our pastor, the church was really starting to expand and grow. He was on television, and up until that point, our pastor had always had what we called a counseling center. His office was in what we called the counseling center. People could walk in off the, off the street without an appointment and wait and the pastor would meet with them as soon as he finished whatever else he was doing with and counsel and minister to them. Well, as we grew, that was just about impossible. So I had just gotten hard on and I remember sitting in the meeting. There was five or six pastors and we were sitting there and Pastor Larry said, okay guys, I no longer can do this so I'm gonna Debbie this out to each one of you You're gonna have a day. I got handed Tuesday. I was going to be the counselor on duty, on Tuesdays, at 19 years old. Now, I'm pushing 50 now, and I look like I'm 23. But can you imagine at 19 what I look like? I look like Opie from the Andy Griffith show. I mean, I was like, you know, and I was spastic. And whatever. If you think I'm crazy and spastic now, <laughs> you should have known me then. And so I had Tuesday, I'll never forget my first Tuesday. I came in and I got to sit in the big counseling office. And I sat behind the, the big desk. Sorry, my microphone fell off. My there we go. Get right. that. And I sat behind the big desk. It was so awesome. And there was the big Bible. Like the one, the family Bible with all the naked pictures of Adam and Eve in it. And it was, just, it was big. We had that. And then in our day, see, we didn't have Google where you could find out what someone else said the Bible says. You actually had a strong concordance. It was a book about that thick. You would try to find scriptures, try to figure out what that Hebrew word, that Greek word meant. And you were just guessing at it best, you know, and you're trying to find it. And so I'm sitting there praying, and it's awesome. I'm so excited. And the phone rings. I'm like, yes, this is my mom. I'm like, Hello? And it's like, Pastor Adam, there's a couple up here that's looking to speak to a pastor. I was like, I'll be right up. And, you know, so I go bouncing up, you know, in my time. Like, I'm walking up, and there's this couple in their mid to late 50s, well-to-do, very prim and proper. You can tell they got money because everything's designer on their, on their body. And, uh, and, and, and they're standing there at the little desk. And I come walking up, and I introduce my, Hey, guys, I'm Pastor Adam McCain. I'm like, okay, hi. I said, uh, what can I do for you? And they said, we are here to see the pastor. And uh, I said, well, our pastor's a really busy person, and, uh, and so you've come into the counseling uh, office today, and um, I'm the pastor on duty. Oh. <laughs> they went, oh. And she looks at him, and he's like, I told you this was a stupid idea. I didn't want to come to begin with. And she looks at me, and she's like, oh, my God, how did I get stuck with Opie? And she looks at me, and she looks at him, and she says this, if you knew what it took me to get him here. <laughs> I'm not leaving. Let's go. Let's go in the back with Opie. And so I'm like, come on. Yay. And I bring him back, you know, sit him down at the chairs across from the big desk from me. And I said, so what seems to be the problem? And she sits there, looks at him. He's got this blank look and he's smart enough to know whatever I say ain't going to matter. I'm about to get slammed. (laughs) So there's nothing I can say that's going to work. So he's just sitting there and, uh, and uh, it's silence, man, for like 60 seconds. That's a long time when you're in, engaged in intimate, uh, you know, conversation. And she says, uh, she said the pastor asked a question. He said, um, did you hear him? He said, what seems to be the problem? Go ahead. And he's just sitting there blank, man. And uh, and so I'm real awkward. I don't know what to do. And, uh, and so finally she goes, um, the pastor said, what seems to be the problem? The, the pastor wants to know, what's the problem? And finally, after a few minutes, he finally goes, dude, I got to be honest with you. I have no idea what the problem is. Oh, oh, oh this little prim proper white lady. Woo. Jesus. She went all ghetto. She jumped up. Exactly! That is the problem. He don't even know what the problem is. That's the problem right there. Tell the pastor. Tell the pastor how you won't even go to church with us. Anymore. Tell him you'd rather go hunting with your friend. Tell him, oh no, instead of coming home to me on the, every day, what do you do? You go out to the bar and have drinks with your friend. You're supposed to be a good Christian. Liar! Hypocrite! Tell the pastor. Tell the pastor how you won't even pray with us anymore. You don't even have dinner with us anymore. I'm stuck with the kids. Tell the pastor and she just lays into it and finally man he had enough he jumped up he decided he was a man he jumped up he said that's right would you want to come home to this I'm like dude don't bring me into this no sir I ain't that smart, but I'm smart enough to not say, to say a word right now. Hey, Would you come home to this? Exactly. That's right. You know why I don't want to come home to you? Because all you do is blah, blah. And he didn't say blah, blah. And da, 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 da. he said, not only that, but so, see that ring? You know what? I work two jobs. Who pays for that ring? I pay for that ring. I, and, and, and it's shown the keys to the Mercedes. Oh, no, you couldn't have a Honda Accord. No, you wanted a Mercedes. Who pays for that? I pay for that. I work two jobs, and yeah, I'm tired, and I'm frustrated. And on Sundays, I don't want to go hear a preacher tell me to give, give me more money, and I'm tired of frustrated. And all you do is just keep hammering. Oh no, you couldn't put the kids in public school. No, we had to pay for private school. Who pays for that? I pay for that. And all of a sudden, I'll never forget what she did. She took this big two-carat diamond. She pulled it off her hand, threw it on the ground, reached in the keys and grabbed the keys in the purse. And she threw it. I never wanted all this. I never wanted the car or the dump. All I ever wanted was you. I loved it better when we had nothing. And we sat there in our apartment and all we had was each other. I want you. I didn't want all of this. And all of a sudden, he just hits him. And I'm sitting and like, she just wants you bro that's all she wants and he goes i didn't know she goes yes i don't want all this i just want you and they grab each other and they fall down on their knees and they start holding each other and crying out and praying over each other and prophesying over each other and i'm just kind of sitting there like dang this is working and they get up, and, and they sit back in the chairs, and I hand them a Kleenex, and, they, and, they, and it's all, they're all done. And they look at me, and they go, thank you. <laughs> what I'm going to say, and I was like, God bless you, amen. Anything we can do to help you guys, God bless you. <laughs> can I tell you something? If we're not careful, we'll get so busy doing for God. And we don't even know him anymore. you sing in the songs to sing it. I'm always on the worship team's backside don't just don't just perform for us. who cares if you sounded good or not give us give us an engagement with God bring us go running into his presence and drag us in there with you. don't just preach a murd I, I don't ever just preach to you guys I'm, I'm I'm engaging with God and I've learned to just be at his side and then try to go tell him tell you guys what I think I heard him say just Love Jesus. Don't let your love grow cold. What had happened was day after day, they got so busy chasing after the American dream that they lost their relationship with each other. If we're not careful, we'll do the same thing with God. We're just trying to do good, and, and before we look up, we don't have any relationship because we've gotten so busy. I challenge you. Set aside some Sabbath time. Monday night, Tuesday night, turn the TV off. Just Sit in the presence of the Lord. Put your worship on. Be with God engage, interact. Don't look up and go, man, I feel like I got to go get saved again because we're so far apart. I don't even know him anymore. I have to, the preacher has to tell me what God's saying because I don't hear his voice anymore because we don't have any interaction. Friend, that should not be. He never wanted the preacher to be the one to have a relationship vicariously for you. He wanted a relationship with you. I'm just simply the quarterback of this thing, but he wants a relationship with you. Here's the third reason that I believe our love will grow cold. Number three, write this down. Offense or offense, depending on what part of the country you're from. Offense or offense or offensiveness or whatever you want to call it. And that usually is the result of broken promises or unmet expectations. Some of you are so quick to get offended because you create these expectations that Jesus Christ himself can't meet. And so... So you set yourself up for failure, you Set set us up for failure, that's why you have no friends, because people are scared to be friends with you, because you're quickly, you're so quick to get offended, because of your expectations. You, you live in, an, in a world that's not practical. This is not uncommon. In fact, as I look in scripture, there's this moment in Mark chapter 6, where the disciples get deeply offended at Jesus. Can you imagine that? Think about that for a moment, the disciples get deeply offended at Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 6. Verse 51 and 52, it says, and the wind died down, they were completely amazed. I've carved this out, and I'll go back and tell you the storyline. Verse 52, for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. They were ticked off at Jesus. They were offended at him. If you will go back and read that chapter, you'll see what had transpired. Earlier in that chapter, Jesus had laid hands on his disciples, and he sent them out. He said, go out into the community, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. He said, then come back and tell me, tell me about what God did. He was, kinda, he was giving them on-the-job training. He's giving them practical experience. Why? Because he's going to die, resurrect, and ascend into heaven, and so he's going to leave them in charge. So he's giving them a practice run. So can you imagine? They're knocking on doors. They're laying hands on people. Arms are growing. Blind eyes are opening up. They're counseling people. You know, they're ministering. It's phenomenal. And they do this for a couple of days. And at the end of it, they're exhausted. And so they have their meet up time at Starbucks with Jesus. Jesus is there drinking a mocha mocha. They come all walking in one little bit at a time, and they're so amped up. You're not know, gonna believe. It. I was mean, playing on and this one guy's like, I ah, grew out of this back no, was just like you, Jesus. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. they keep coming in. Man, I had a bad couple first couple hours. It was terrible. Jesus, everybody was trying to reject me and stuff. But then I had a breakthrough with this one family, and they're telling all about. It. We've been fasting. We're exhausted. And Jesus says this statement to him. He says, "Let us go. Let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. And let us have a time of refreshing." Or let's go on vacation. Y'all been working hard. Let's go on vacation. So can you imagine? They now have an expectation to do what? Go on vacation. He's given them this word. So they start walking towards the lake to get in the boat. And guess what happens? The crowds come running. There he is! Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, I, I, I was at your last meeting, and, um, and you said, oh, I didn't really understand it, so I was just hoping, like, maybe you could explain that to me, and then more and more, God, your disciple prayed for me, but I still can't hear, and this year, this year, I got healed, but not this one, could you pray for this, and this whole thing is interacting, and the disciples are like, you gotta be kidding me, you have to be kidding me, like, go away, we're going on vacation, come on, PKs, Jesus says this to him, he looks at him and goes, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Sit them down, let me minister to them. So can you imagine that? They're like, ah, OMJ, I cannot believe you just did this to me. <laughs> sit down, dude, sit down. Sit down, the Messiah is going to minister to you. Sit down. Go, Jesus, we got it. So they're all standing back to the side, you know, and Jesus up there, we're so glad you came today. And we just believe that you can have your best life right now. You don't have to die with the devil. And he's ministering to them, you know, and, and they're sitting back there, and you know, man, their stomachs are growling and stuff. And Peter says, Man, I'm hungry. Thomas says, Dude, you have no idea. You know he's gonna preach for 16 hours. I know, like he always does. I mean, we're gonna be here forever. Oh, MJ, oh Jesus. Dude, if we're hungry, you know they're hungry. Look at them, they're looking hungry too. That's it. Go tell him that the people are hungry, he needs to let them go. All right, all right, I got this. Jesus is preaching what Jesus look out there they're starving Jesus (laughs) wrap up the message send them home to get some McDonald's is closed and look what time it is Jesus send them home please and then let's go to vacation like you said and Jesus says you get them something to eat and he keeps preaching what do you say what do you say what do you say he said you get them something to eat So, well, let's go. To, man, you got any food? You got anything? This little kid's got a couple of things. And they all come back. What'd you get? I got a peppermint. That ain't no good. I got these fish. I got some loaves. How much you got? Like five loaves and two fish. We can't do nothing with that. Well, how are we going? Exactly. The Messiah missed it. Because there's not enough food to feed them. Go tell them, Peter. I got this. Jesus. What? Jesus. We did what you said, and I guess you missed this one, because all we found were five loaves and two fish. Give it to me. Father, I bless this. Take care of your people. Amen. Go give it to him. What did he say? What did he say? He said, go give it to him." <laughs> this won't take long. Here, bro. <laughs> Here, bro. all these people and they're like oh you got to be kidding me now they're gonna take two hours to finish a Jewish meal my God we're gonna be here all day long so Jesus finally gets ticked off at him, and he's like go get in the boat and go just go on over to the other side because you obviously don't care about what I care about so can you imagine now I'm paraphrasing a little bit of course They get in the boat, and they start rowing. Can you imagine that? Did you see that? I know. He's going to be there all night long, and he promised us. You know, I ain't in three days. This fasting thing's the devil. I'm going to tell you that right now. I can't believe that, man. He said, I know it. Why do you do that, man? I'm so tired of being in this ministry. We don't make no money. I can't ever get married, I guess. I don't know when we're going to find time to date anybody because we run around praying for people and stuff. And here he is. He don't even care about us. We like slave labor. I know. That's all we are. And about that time, the Bible says a storm comes up and begins to about to kill them, sink that boat. So they go from, oh, God, save us. They're trying to get the water out. Oh, God. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the water. <laughs> 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 And they see him, like, it's the ghost. Ah, and he's like, and he walks, and as soon as he gets inside of the boat, and they're all like, ah! <laughs> Cricket, cricket. The waves are gone, the storm is gone, and this is where we pick up, and it says, the wind died down, and they were amazed. You think so, stupid? They were amazed. See, the problem was they had become so buddy buddy by going to church every day with Jesus that they lost respect for the fact that he was Lord. He was Lord. Can I tell you something? I love you, and I'm glad that you like the kids' area, and we got some little coffee for you. I'm not trying to impress you. You need to know one thing and one thing only. Jesus is your Lord. He's your Lord. And in that moment, it says they were amazed. They had not understood what was happening with the loaves and fishes. And they missed that whole moment of supernatural experience because they were offended. Their hearts were hard. I want to explain something to you. The true test of love is can I offend you and you still love me? That's the true test of love. Anything else is infatuation. Oh, Pastor Adam, he's the greatest. Church on the Hill's the greatest. Yeah, because we hadn't offended you yet. Keep coming. We're going to get you eventually. It's going to be awesome. Why? Because we're just human. No one's hurt this little lady on the front row more than me. No one's hurt her and offended her deeply more than Why? Because she expects me to love her more than anybody else. But I'm still human. And so when I make my mistake, she has to be a person who says, I release my offense. I, I, I don't lower my expectation of how he's supposed to treat me, but I forgive him in the fact that he's just not all that Jesus is yet, and he's still developing, and he's still and I love him anyway. I choose to love him even though he has not performed to my expectation. Are you with me? Say yes. And some of you have treated Jesus in the same way. I wanted you to heal that little baby, and you didn't. So you know what? I'm going to push you aside. I'm going to just kind of be offended at you. I'm gonna stand there and talk bad about you I'll be in your little boat but I'll tell you at the end of the day I can't even believe that you would do this to me how can you really be God and doubts and unbelief start happening and then you end up with some dude at work who never have really loved God who's always been a hypocrite and he starts spewing his doubts and that offense begins to grow and grow and grow till it takes you over and you look up one day and you are a part of the most and not a part of the few and you have no idea how you started there and you got here Friend, can I tell you something? Don't let your love grow cold. Don't let it grow cold. Keep a hot, passionate, sincere relationship with the Lord. Repent of sin. Don't let lovers control other lovers in your life. Don't love that, don't, don't love that drug more than you love God. You said, Pastor, I don't know how to stop. Yeah, you do. You just fall in love with Him. You dedicate every, the same attention and effort that you went out there to go get those drugs. You put that same effort and attention to go after Jesus. The same attention and effort that you put into spending all of that time building that house and getting that career up and going, put that same attention and effort and energy into a love relationship with the living God. That same attention of bitterness and frustration that you stood around talking to you put that same attention in forgiveness and releasing and saying, Lord, my heart is pure, because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. There are going to be millions of people that stand before him on that day and say, you know, I was a Christian, but I went to that church. Where that pastor was sleeping with women who weren't his wife. And then he took the money. And so I said, if that's what Christianity is, I'm out. And then Jesus is going to look at him and say, and what does that have to do with you and me? What does that have to do with you and me? And they're going to have this rude awakening, but it'll be too late. Because they've lived in offense. They've lived in offense. In this moment, when Jesus rocks the world, their death is, uh, is imminent. And he stops The storm from killing them. They had a revelation. He's not my buddy. He's not my little tip. I give him a little tip on Sundays. He's God. And, if he, and you know what? And, and, and if the job didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out, it don't matter. He's Lord. And, and and if my wife don't act the way I thought she was supposed to act, he's still Lord. And if my kids don't do what I thought they were going to he's still Lord. I'm not walking away from him just because I don't understand. I'm going to embrace him because he in is a Lord. He's the only Lord. There is no other Lord. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And until you get that revelation, you'll still keep treating him as a buddy instead of Lord. He is not your lap dog. He's not your little friend that you know you can get mad at and just kind of throw it to the side and be mad at him and not give him any attention. That kind of He is God. And when you and I surrender ourselves to that concept, what will happen is he will become the love of our life. And we will be a part of the few and not a part of the most. For the love of most will grow cold. Not maybe. It's going to happen. The Lord has this word for you today, for me today to remind me. Don't let your love grow cold. Don't be a part of the most. Be sincere in your love. Be real. You can't judge someone's love by somebody else's love. Because we're all on a journey place. You can't say this is what it looks like the way brother so-and-so or sister such and pastor so-and-so does it. It's where you at. He doesn't have a different expectation. He, He expects you just to go from one glory to one glory to one glory. And the Lord will work in your life. And you and I will be sincere Christian all our days. And when we stand there on that day, he'll look at us in the eye. He'll say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. And we'll go, but oh, but I didn't do this right. Hey, 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 hey. Well done. Because you never let our love be broken. Yes, it was stretched. Like they said, we thought about it, but we never got divorced. Thought about killing each other, but we never did it. We stayed together. We fought through, and we maintained our love. See The key to love, and you can ask these couples that have been married any length of time, the key to love is to sustain that decision every day. I wake up every day and choose to love Jesus. Every day, no matter what's transpired the day before, I love you with all of my heart. No matter how I failed him hours earlier, I love you with all of my heart. I will surrender myself afresh right here, right now. It's not trying to outdo what I did yesterday. It's simply enjoying today, and finding a way to love Jesus today and what today holds for me. That's what each of these couples will tell you. There have been wonderful highs and there have been wonderful lows, but they've stayed the course because they made a commitment and they didn't break the commitment. Would you stand with me all across the room today? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. We've gone a little long because you guys listened a little slow. (laughs) You are so gracious. All the new people are like, that dude is so messed up. I want you just to close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to kind of create a safe place for you and Jesus to interact. The reason we get you to close your eyes is so you can concentrate. Today, as you've got your head bowed and your eye closed, I gave you three reasons that love can grow cold. There may be more. That's just what I saw in Scripture. I think they're the baseline though so let's go through them and when I get to the one that maybe you feel like was I was preaching the Lord spoke to you about that and you just take a moment you repent right where you stand let's start with the first one if you feel like you have other lovers in your life things those that mean more to you than Jesus would you just take a moment and repent right where you stand Jesus we would come before you and we repent for loving something or someone else more than you have mercy on us We declare here and now that you are the love of our life. Lord, would you show us how to actively participate in repentance? How do we go about it? What do we do? How do we say to that situation? How do we say to that individual, I'm sorry, I've loved you more than Jesus, and this is going to change a little bit. Show us how to actively move towards repentance. Lord, we ask for mercy, and we declare standing here and now, under our breath, in our heart, in our mind, you are the love of our life second reason is because we got so busy we had, had no interaction if that's you you've gotten so busy doing for God that you don't really know him anymore you don't feel close to him I want you to right where you stand to repent say Lord forgive me and I want you to begin to ask the Lord to show you how you and he can begin to interact in a more concise manner Father we come before you Lord we repent Lord God for being so busy doing for you that we no longer know you we want you to be the love of our life I want I want to know when you're smiling I want to see the wrinkle of your brow in my heart and my mind. I want to know, Lord God, when, I want to feel your nudge and not be so far away from you that I can't feel your nudge. I don't want you to have to yell across the room to get my attention. I want to be standing right next to you all the time. I ask you right now, Jesus, to help us. Help us to know what that looks like. Lord, help us set aside some time to Sabbath, to be with you, to experience you. Lord God, may Sunday mornings not be the only time. May small group be not be the only time we interact with you. And our, our rides to work, Lord God, in the truck for 45 minutes, Lord God, instead of listening to all the junk that Fox News or CNN or whoever else is complaining about, may we just come into your presence in that moment. Lord God, may we find that, Lord, when we finally get the kids put down for bed, instead of watching four and five hours of television and getting on social media, may we just have some time with you. And may that be intimate and firm and sweet and concise. Now, Lord, for the third area, and if this represents you, you've been offended, you've been hurt. You keep bringing up the offense of what somebody did to you. I want you right now to release it. Father, we release that offense. We let go of that situation, and we ask you to help us to forgive them and not to live in offense with them. We ask you, Lord God, even if you've been offended by God, I want you to ask ask for forgiveness. Lord, I've been offended by you. I expected you to do this, and you didn't. And I've held on to an offense, and I didn't realize it. Lord, we just release it right now. We ask you for the same forgiveness we expect others to give to us, Lord, help us to forgive them as well and release them from that expectation, Lord God. We lower that, we we release that, excuse me, and we ask you now, Lord God, to give us strength and mercy in this whole process. Daddy, we thank you for your kindness and your grace towards us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen.